In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. You might recognize that passage from just a couple days ago. The, the passage for, for the holy name of Jesus um, is the same as, pretty much the same as the Christmas Eve passage, except for we throw in that eighth day he was named and circumcised. Um, which is, which is a vital uh, fact of, of this account and, and the reality of God coming to us and to the nation of Israel as it continues um, to reflect the, the faith and obedience of Mary and Joseph in, in keeping of covenant with God as they circumcised Jesus on the eighth day as of the law of Moses and to give him the name that was that was um, told to them by the angel Gabriel of, of what to name his child Jesus and so today we celebrate this holy name of Jesus which is one of three feasts that we celebrate um, on a Sunday if it happens to fall on a Sunday most of the times when we have a feast in the church we sort of push it to Monday, so it's like the Feast of St. Stephen, really. Nah, we'll have that on Monday. Um, Sunday takes precedence, but Holy Name and Presentation and Transfiguration are those three feasts that if they fall on a Sunday, it bumps the normal Sunday elections of the first Sunday after Christmas that, that would be normally here. Because, it's a, because it's, it does, again, stress that, that power and that prominence of, of the name of Jesus, not just the name of Jesus, by which every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess, not just the name of Jesus that means, you know, he saves, he'll save his people, he'll deliver his people, he'll rescue his people, the salvation comes from Jesus, but that covenant reality that God has come to the people of Israel as promised and and bring them out of bondage not just this time from Pharaoh but out of bondage of sin and death and darkness and by the name of Jesus and by the works of Jesus and by the acts of Jesus those powers and dominions of darkness and evil will be overthrown and as we heard in Galatians all will be called children of God, and we will be heirs of that kingdom. No longer will be slaves, but children of God. And, and in fact, this is one of those instances where, 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 you know, by and large, most of the Bible, you can sort of substitute, you know, man for people and, you know, sons for children. But this is actually one of those ones where, at least, at least culturally speaking, you almost want to keep sons, even though it includes everybody, because it is it is sort of goes with, follows all the inclusivity of everywhere. Where no longer does it matter if you're male or female or slave or free or Jew or Gentile, you're all sons of God. Doesn't matter. You're a son. You have that right of sonship, of adoption by God. All those rights that you see all these sons have, you have. 
regardless of your background, regardless of your gender, regardless of anything. You have these rights. And so, in fact, this is one of those times where, where it's, it's, it's actually more helpful. It's a greater claim to receive that, that reality of, of what it meant at that time to be, to be that son, that heir, um, wrapped in the cloak of the Father, receiving all the benefits. Because this is what we have. We have salvation from, from God. We have salvation that has come into the world, versus the world, and through the name and power of Jesus, we have the power and the authority to proclaim that good news to the world. Like the shepherds who went with haste proclaiming, indeed, that God has burst into the world and has come to redeem God's people. This is what we're invited to do. I heard something um, recently that said, uh, before we put Christ back in Christmas, maybe we ought to put Christ back in Christians. And I thought, that's probably a very powerful sentiment. Because if we put Christ back in Christians, you don't have any problem with putting Christ back in Christmas. Or putting Jesus at the center, at least of, of our lives and, and of the church. Because if we're honest, Jesus has been used to wield Oppression and destruction and war for centuries. In the name of Jesus, as the cross goes marching before we've oppressed and conquered lands, not just here. This is not, I know every American thinks that everything started with America. It didn't, you know. Um, we were fighting wars in the name of Jesus throughout the continent of Europe long before there was, right, America. But we've picked it up with great abandon here. Let's not, you know, let's not mince words. Would we reclaim Jesus for the church and live as Jesus Live bringing forth light and love, battling injustice and oppression, conquering the powers of sin and death and destruction. We take on that, that adoption, take on that inheritance and live fully. I hesitate, we don't have, hesitate to, to, use this, to use this example today, but I'm going to um, I hesitate only because I'm going to use it again. Um, I'm sure down the line. But it's another, it was just another funny thing that I heard that just says, um, we've got a lot of Christian streakers running around. That is, they have the helmet of salvation, but they're not wearing any of the other armor of God. They're just running around naked with the helmet of salvation. Like, I'm saved, I'm saved. But they don't have the breastplate of righteousness. And they don't have the shoes of the gospel of peace and they don't have the sword that of, of the spirit they don't have 
the shield of faith. They don't have any of those things. They're not continuously praying for the people around them and living as advocates for Jesus. Instead, they're just wearing this little helmet of salvation, proclaiming being saved and telling everybody else, hey, get a hat like me. It's time that we embrace that full armor of the, of the, the armor of God for ourselves, for the body of Christ, for the church. I just want to read um, sort of this passage, especially, especially the, the last um, part of it. Um, I think oftentimes, even, even when we preach, this passage gets missed. Because we talk about put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers, the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's a good thing to remember to begin with. Our enemy is not the other people of this world, even the people that we think may be our enemies. The enemies are the spiritual forces of wickedness and darkness and the powers that corrupt. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Stand having the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness as for shoes on your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Therefore, pray at all times with all supplication for the people of the world, for those who are enchained, for that we may boldly proclaim, even as we might suffer persecution, we might reflect the love and grace and power of Jesus. It doesn't say take the sword of the Spirit and anybody who doesn't disagree with you, you start whapping at them with it. It says that you might use that sword to pray even more earnestly for everyone. And so you all have to listen to me week after week after week and you know, I'm not really a great application preacher. There's preachers that go, they'll sit there with their 45-minute sermon, and then they'll say, and then, so now, this is what you've got to do. Generally, I'm not, that's not me. Um, I'll say all these things and then just, like, let you figure it out on your own. Um, that may be a weakness, I don't know. Um, 
But today, you know, today being being sort of also New Year's Day, where where as Americans we love our New Year's resolutions, um, I figured it's probably a good time to at least at least give you you know some application of of what it is to not just to put on the full armor of God, but to be put Christ back into ourselves that we might be immersed in the love and glory and power of Jesus. And, and you know, we're not really good at New Year's resolutions. That is, we're not really good at keeping New Year's resolutions, mostly because if you're anything like me, you make like 40 of them. You, you, you know, you're going to lose 20 pounds and you're going to exercise and you're going to, you know, do this and that. And you're not going to look at your phone and you're, you know, you're going to write that book you've been meaning to write. Some of these might be personal. Um, you know, there's, you have this list of things that you're going to do. And because you have this, you know, list that's as long as your arm, you don't do any of it because you can't keep it all. And so I, I want to encourage us to, to keep one resolution um, that, that of God, and I don't know what that is. You know, I might be reading the Bible. I, I printed out, I printed out this little five by five by five Bible reading plan. If you've never read the New Testament, that might be a good place to start. It's really only one chapter of the New Testament a day, five days a week. So you even have like cheat days or skip days, or I slept in, or I was up watching Georgia play, and it's you know too late, and I can't read the Bible today. Or whatever, but you have, you know, you can, there's a, there's a nice plan, it's there on the back there, if you want, take one, by all means, even if you, um, you know, reading the Bible is a, is, a, is a great way, having the word of God to, to draw us near to God, praying just a couple minutes a day, um, dedicating yourself more to the life of the church or some other outside mission ministry. I don't know what it is um, for you. Maybe it's reading the daily office. Maybe it's coming Wednesday mornings. Maybe it's coming more often. Maybe it's you know giving more of your time or treasure to to the church. Maybe it's becoming a reader or a lay Christic visitor. I don't know. Um, and so I'm going to end um, the sermon by just praying. For us, and then we'll take a couple minutes before we go into the into the Nicene Creed. Because if God generally, if we let God speak to us for for thirty seconds, amazingly, God usually God usually does when it's something something I don't want to say simple, um, but if we're truly seeking how. Can Jesus be more a part of my life? How can I put Christ more into my life? How can I put Christ more into our church? How can I take on the armor of God and not just wear the helmet of salvation? God's generally happy to answer that prayer relatively quickly. Because it aligns with the Spirit of God. And so... I'm just going to pray and then we'll just be still.
Gracious God, we thank you for coming to us in the form of Jesus. We thank you for the name of Jesus and for the salvation that comes through Jesus. We thank you for the life that we have in Christ. We thank you that you have made us your sons, daughters, your heirs, your children. We thank you that you give us your spirit, that you promise to be with us always to the end of the age. We thank you that you empower us to be a light in this world. We repent of all those times that we may have wielded our faith, not in good, but in evil. We repent of all those times that we do not pray for those around us, but are judgmental. We repent of all those times where we see our neighbors as the enemy rather than the forces of darkness. Give us your spirit. Give us your eyes, your ears. Clothe us with the armor of God. And we pray now, Holy Spirit, to descend upon us and upon each of us here and, and speak to us those ways in which we might draw near to you. That we might draw near to your light, to your love. That we might reflect your grace and glory. That you might indwell in our hearts more and more this day. Come, Holy Spirit.